You're listening to the Light for Living podcast, featuring the sermons of Emmanuel Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas, where Dr. Clark Whitney serves as senior pastor. Join us for verse-by-verse messages through the life-changing Word of God. Along the way, we'll also feature devotional thoughts, Bible studies, and interviews, all designed to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much, Mitch and team, for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you. It is a joy to be here all the way from Warner Robins, Georgia. Curious, anybody know where Warner Robins, Georgia is? Hold your hand up high like a Pentecostal, okay? All right, all right. We got a few people. How many of you have ever been to Warner Robins, Georgia? Okay, all right. It's a military town. There's an Air Force base there. So sometimes we find people all across the state, literally around the world, who know where Warner Robins is. It is such a privilege for us to be here, to be with Pastor Clark and Miss Aaron. You know, every pastor needs a pastor. Every pastor's kid needs a student pastor. And Clark was that to our kids uh, for several years and uh, really made an impact in the lives of our, our kids. And Miss Aaron did as well. Did a fabulous job serving at Second Baptist until y'all stole him away. Uh, that's all right, though. We, uh, we sent them with our blessing and are so grateful for the ministry God's entrusted to Clark and to Aaron here. And I, I think you know this, Clark did not bribe me to say this, but you guys are incredibly blessed with your pastor and his wife and their leadership here at Emmanuel. And so I know you know that, but you ought to just let them know how thankful and appreciative you are. And let me tell you that they feel incredibly blessed to serve here as well. And that is a wonderful combination to watch what God does as he puts pastor and people together and then watch God work in really powerful and amazing ways. And so I've heard stories about what God's doing here, and I'm just so grateful. And I'm thankful to be here today. Clark, I just don't want to mess it up, all right? That's my goal. I don't want to mess it up. I just, I'm just thankful to be here today, and uh, I want to encourage you in the Word. I, I want you to find your Bibles, and I want you to open to the, uh, to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 9. While you're turning there, I'm going to tell you a story. Now, have you ever seen the, uh, the churches that have uh, what they call time with children, where sometime in the middle of the service, they're going to call all the kids down front, and the pastor is going to kind of tell a story, and, and the kids are supposed to interact. You know, have you, ever, have you ever seen that before? Okay, so I heard one day there's this pastor, and he's like, uh, hey, kids, come on down. And, and he kind of sat down here and, uh, you know, began to tell them a story. He said, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to describe something for you. And I want you to tell me what it is. He said, uh, it's gray and it has a bushy tail. None of the kids spoke up. They just sat there and stared at him. And he thought, you know, at least that kid that always has something to say is going to say something. Nobody said anything. He said, okay, I'll give you another hint. It's gray, has a bushy tail, likes to uh, collect acorns and nuts and stores them up for the winter. Now, everybody in the congregation knew what the answer was, but none of the kids spoke up. Nobody said anything. He said, okay, well, I'll give you one more hint. It's gray. It has a bushy tail. It likes to eat acorns and nuts and stores them up the winter and jumps from tree to tree. Still silence. And finally, one little nervous kid in the back lifted up his hand. He said, preacher, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. (laughs) So today... Today, let's remember the answer 
is Jesus. We're going to focus and center our time in the Word on Jesus Christ today. And from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15, I'm preaching on this subject, Jesus is better. If you wanted a theme for the book of Hebrews, if you wanted to know what's this book all about, you could really come to understand the theme or the main idea of this book with those three words, Jesus is better. And Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15, reveal to us the greatness and the glory of Jesus Christ, really centered on every page of this letter. Hebrews chapter 9, begin reading with me in verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Join me for a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Teach us from its truth. Challenge and change us for your glory. We pray you draw men and women to yourself. Save souls. Transform lives. Heal hearts. And we'll give you glory and praise in Christ's name. Amen. Now, what is it that you love about this world? Now, think about that for a minute. It's not really a trick question. What do you love about the world? I know Jesus says, do not love the world or the things in the world, but I just tend to think that he, he wasn't talking about Krispy Kreme donuts or spud nuts. So I've heard, you know, supposed to be pretty good, right? I love Krispy Kreme donuts. If you could uh, go back to the Old Testament and read the description of manna from heaven, have you ever done that? You go back and read the description of manna from heaven, it sure sounds like a donut to me, all right? I love donuts, I love sweets, I love all kinds of desserts. I, am, uh, I do have a sweet tooth, and I'll tell you, especially those Krispy Kreme donuts, if you ever get to go to a Krispy Kreme, there's a, there's a sign that will light up, and it says, hot. And if that sign says, hot, that sign should draw you into the place, because those donuts will melt in your mouth. They are so good. Sweets are good and donuts are great. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Now, I, I'm going to tell you, there are two types of people in the world. There are people who uh, eat to live, and then there are people who live to eat. You know what I'm saying? I like steak. I am a carnivore. You know, I want steak, uh, brisket, beef. Your pastor is a grill master, and so he knows how to cook all that kind of stuff, right? And so do not, do not give me a salad. Salad is the food that my food eats, all right? I want something that used to have eyes. Not anymore, but used to have eyes. I want to eat something good. I love steak, but Jesus is better. Now, I love sports. I played sports growing up. My kids play sports. I helped coach their teams. I tried to play every sport that I could, and, and, and I've been a sports fan my whole life. A couple of years ago, the Braves, the Atlanta Braves won a World Series, and I was like, yeah, you know, first time since 1995, I thought this year might 
might be heading that direction, but it was a little pitiful. And then, and then I know we probably don't have a lot of Georgia Bulldog fans in the house. I was just seeing if anybody said go dogs or amen. But, but, but we might not have a lot of Georgia Bulldogs fans in the house, but my, my Bulldogs are back-to-back champions. Like we're living the dream. It's the best time in Georgia football history in, in my lifetime, right? And, and really in the history of Georgia football. I love sports, but Jesus is better. Folks, I want you to know we're blessed to live in the United States of America. Like, this is the land of the free and the home of the brave, as crazy as it gets. I'd still rather live here than anywhere else in the world. And in addition to that, we get to live in the South, where you can say y'all without fear of criticism. God has given us the freedoms. He's given us family, my church, so many things, so many ways. But I'm telling you, Jesus is better. The whole book of Hebrews centers around the idea that Jesus is better. And the author gives his own top ten list of how Jesus is better. He says he's better than the prophets, better than angels, better than Moses, better than Joshua, better than Aaron. He has a better message, brings a better maturity, has a better covenant offers a better sacrifice and provides a better rest the whole thing centers around this idea Jesus is better so two major points this morning and then we'll kind of walk through this central theme of the preeminence and the superiority of Jesus Christ the first point is this the old way was never enough the old way was never enough You know there are two major sections in your Bible. There is the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The old way to have access to God and the new way to have access to God. The Old Testament describes the sacrificial system and the duties of the priests and the Levites. How people are to approach God. The law represents the old way, but Jesus represents the new way. The law was designed to point us to our need for a Savior, to our need to be reconciled and redeemed and forgiven. Nothing wrong with the old way. It served a purpose, but the Bible tells us it was never enough. Letter A, it was not permanent. Verse 1 of chapter 9 describes an earthly sanctuary, a temple or a tabernacle that was made by human hands. God had given specific instructions. If you'll read the book of Exodus, the book of Numbers, the book of Leviticus, there are specific instructions about the tabernacle and the temple and the priests and the Levites and all of their duties. But all the people of God come together to contribute, to give to the tabernacle and to build this opulent temple. But made by human hands, it would not last. It's going to fall apart. You see, an earthly building is going to need repair. An earthly building is going to wear down. But the Bible tells us something very interesting in verse 8 of chapter 9. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. What does he mean by that? As long as the old tabernacle was in use... As long as the old temple was in use to bring access to God, he could not establish the new way of approaching God. But Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, the Bible says, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom, opening a way for us to come into the presence of God. And when Christ died on the cross, he made irrelevant the old temple built by human hands. It was not permanent. 
It was only a picture. You may or may not know this, but the Bible tells us that temple or tabernacle in the Old Testament is actually a picture or a copy of a temple or tabernacle in heaven. Did you know that? There's a real, permanent, eternal tabernacle in heaven. And what God instructed his people to build on earth is a picture, a model, a rough silhouette, a type of what exists in heaven. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 23 tells us these were copies of the heavenly things. There's so much symbolism wrapped into the temple. There's so much symbolism wrapped into the tabernacle. I'm just going to tell you, here's what it means. It all points to Jesus and our need for a Messiah. It was a picture, a copy of the, of the tabernacle in heaven. Next, it was not available to all people. Now, we may think that in the Old Testament, if you wanted to go to church, you just got your family up and you invited your neighbors and your friends and you had a friend day and you took everybody to the temple and the tabernacle. That's not the way it worked. Do you know the temple and the tabernacle were, were uh, only a select few they were places where only a select few would be able to gather. And maybe you could have a court of the Gentiles on the outside where a few people could gather. And maybe you could have a court of the Jews on the inside where a few more people could gather. But only the priests and only the high priest on one day, the Day of Atonement, could go into the Holy of Holies and make sacrifice into the presence of God. You were restricted from God's presence. You were not welcome if you were not a Jew. You were not welcome if you were not the high priest. You were not welcome to come into the presence of God if you did not come the right way. It was not open to all people. They were only permitted, Levites and priests, at certain times in prescribed ways. And then it wasn't personal. Think about this for a moment. All the external sacrifices, all the ceremonial rituals and cleansings, all the offerings that you were required to give, it was an external ceremonial cleansing instead of a cleansing of the conscience and a regeneration of the heart. Always dealt with ceremonial purity. David says in the Old Testament, God, you don't want sacrifice or otherwise I would give it. The sacrifices of the Lord are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Meaning, God, you're not so concerned about the external. You want to see the internal. You want to see my heart. The old sacrifices could never bring access to God. Do you know that? It's said that the week of Passover, when everyone would come to Jerusalem, when the priests would offer sacrifices, over 300,000 lambs would be slain in one week in Jerusalem. 300,000 lambs. There from the Temple Mount, they would prepare special channels. And those channels would simply carry away the blood of the lambs that were sacrificed down to the brook Kidron. And it was said the brook Kidron seemed to be running with blood. It was bright red. And all of that blood, all of that sacrifice was never enough because it couldn't cleanse sin completely. It could only cover it for a time. The Old Testament cries out, there's a greater need. There's a greater Savior. There's a greater sacrifice coming. It was never enough. Now, students, I don't know if this happens at school in Arkansas, but I know it happened to me once or twice. I'd have a project due in a class, definitely when I was in college, and when I was trying to finish my doctorate at Liberty University, there were, there were times where I wouldn't get an A, a B, a C, a D, or even an F on anything. I got an I. And I thought, my, what A, B, C, D, E, F, 
G-H-I. That's like three letters worse than an F, you know? And I went to ask my professor, I'm like, what in the world is happening here? Like, why did I get an I? And they say, hey, you're doing good work. You're headed the right direction. The I just stands for incomplete. It's not quite finished yet. And so what we need to know about the Old Testament is, the Old Testament is there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. It's there to remind us of our great need for a Savior and the seriousness of sin. It's there to point us to our need for one who would come to be the ultimate final sacrifice for sin. It's there to remind us that we cannot be forgiven on our own, that we desperately need a Savior. We can't follow the law. Go back and read the Old Testament books of the law and see how much you would have to keep. It's impossible. We desperately need a Savior. And this is why it's so important, and you better be grateful that you've got a pastor who doesn't just get up and give you the latest news or the latest gossip or what he saw on Facebook. He doesn't just get up here and read a newspaper or give you his opinion. He gets up here and preaches the inspired word of God that changes and transforms lives. The old way was never enough. Second point, Jesus is more than enough. I'm going to say that again, and you're going to say amen just because it makes me feel better, okay? Jesus is more than enough. All right, some of y'all hadn't said amen in years. It feels good, doesn't it? Feels good. The old way was never enough. Jesus is more than enough. The old way, insufficient. Jesus, completely and totally sufficient. Not just enough, more than enough. How much more than you could ever imagine to be found in Jesus Christ? Let's walk through these and see. Now, there is a permanent tabernacle. This earthly tabernacle made with hands, it falls, it fails, and it fades. This imperfect, temporary, and corruptible tabernacle is gone. The earthly tabernacle is only a picture of that heavenly tabernacle that still stands today. And I want you to understand what the Bible tells us in verse 11 is that after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, Jesus entered into the temple that is in heaven and offered himself as the final sacrifice for sin. Read what the Bible says in verse 11. He entered into the Holy of Holies, first time ever as priest and sacrifice offered himself once and for all as a final sacrifice for sin. This is what Christ did for us. So we don't have to run around wondering, worrying, is my sin covered? Has it been paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ? Anyone, anywhere can be forgiven of any sin. His sacrifice was perfect. Now there's a permanent tabernacle. Next, a perfect sacrifice. The Bible is clear that these sacrifices were insufficient. The blood of animals could never remove sin. At best, it covered sin for a while. It stayed the hand of judgment, kept back the wrath of God. Notice what the Bible tells us now in verse 12. He entered once and for all into the holy places 
not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, the perfect spotless Lamb, offered himself so that we could be rescued and redeemed, so that we could be forgiven and saved and adopted into his family, a perfect sacrifice. He is Jesus Christ, the only spotless Lamb, the only one we need because he gave everything so that we could be set free. Now there is a personal cleansing. That's next on your outline. The Old Testament of rituals of washing hands could never get to the heart. The Bible says the priests would have to wash in a basin and there'd be a specific way they'd have to wash and how many times they'd have to wash and they'd have to wash all the way up to their elbows and their elbows would have to be dripping There'd be a specific way, this ceremonial, this ritual cleansing. But it was always a picture. It never really cleaned. It never really got to the heart. But now the Bible says, how much more? Look at it. How much more will the blood of Jesus Christ purify our conscience from dead works? You can wash your hands a million times, but your heart will never get clean. You can try to take a shower and wash all that sin off, but your heart will never get clean. But Jesus Christ gets through the external to the internal and cleanses your heart by his precious blood. There's a personal cleansing. Not only that, but the Bible tells us now there's a perpetual blessing. Blessings of the old way were always dependent upon obedience. You do right, you're blessed. You obey, you see the good things that God has. You do wrong, that brings cursing. You disobey, that brings judgment. But the Bible tells us now in Christ we have a perpetual blessing. Verse 15 makes it abundantly clear that there was no final and complete redemption under the Old Testament. Verse 15. Now, therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. In other words, now, once and for all, we receive eternal redemption through Jesus Christ. The sacrifice of the Old Testament were never permanent. They were never perpetual. But in Christ, we are saved, eternally secure, and blessed because of His grace. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, as a result of that, we're called as people to experience the presence of God. Hebrews chapter 9, excuse me, 10 and verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus Christ, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. Do you remember this now? The curtain was torn from top to bottom. Here's the picture. Through the curtain, the author of Hebrews says, that is his flesh. What does that mean? His flesh was torn on the cross as the curtain was torn in the Holy of Holies, opening the way for us to have access to the presence of God. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast to our confession of hope without wavering because he who promised is faithful. It is a perpetual blessing, a permanent hope 
that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the God who fed the multitude with baskets left over. I'm telling you, his provision is more than enough. This is the God who spoke to the winds and the waves and said, peace be still, and they ceased. I'm telling you, his power is more than enough. This is the God who sent his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sins. I'm telling you today, his payment is more than enough. Batteries will go dead and lights will burn out. Wells will run dry. Cars are going to break down. iPhones get dropped and get old. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ never runs out. He is good and he is faithful. Jesus Christ is more than enough. Jesus is better. There's one thing I want you to get today. If you haven't got it yet, I hope you'll get it now. Jesus is better. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is better. He's better than righteousness and good works and religion. He's better than Allah, Buddha, or Muhammad. He's better than the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses and the Dalai Lama. Jesus is better. He's better than astrology, astronomy. He's better than psychology or psychiatry. He's better than Hollywood, New York, Las Vegas, and Los Angeles all put together. Jesus is better. He's better than the Clemson Tigers. He's better than the Alabama Crimson Tide. He's better than the Seminoles from down south and the two-time back-to-back champion Georgia Bulldogs. God knows he's better than the Razorbacks too, amen? Jesus is better. He's better than Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Face, or whatever else there is. Jesus is better. He's better than Biden and all of his ice cream. He's better than DeSantis and his war with Disney. He's better than Nikki Haley and her high heels. He's better than Donald Trump and his presidential campaign. Jesus is better. He's better than Oprah and her own network, Dr. Phil and all his advice, Rachel Ray and all of her cooking, Twitter and Tucker Carlson. Jesus is is better. I want you to understand today that Jesus Christ is better than anything we could ever imagine. Everything this world has to offer, put together, times 10. You offer it to me, but I'm telling you today, Jesus is better. He is fairer than the fairest of 10,000s. He is brighter than the bright and morning star. He is higher than the loftiest of mountains. He is stronger than all my doubts and fears. He is better. He is better than the arts and athletics and academics and any extracurricular activities. He is better. There is nothing that you can offer. There's nothing this world can offer. There's nothing that anyone can give you better than Jesus. Jesus is better. Amen. Amen. So what, what are you holding on to today that keeps you from trusting in Jesus? Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. We hope you'll tune back in next time to the Light for Living podcast.